All right, everybody, welcome back to another crummy episode of your favorite po- podcast. Uh, anybody here in the room know what? I have two of you yokels to ask now what episode this is. Anybody got any clues? I sent out an outline with it written right on it. <laughs> oh, well, I have the outline open, so. You're oh, pro- there's wow, a really? number five? 165 already. Oh, yeah, <laughs> 165. Dan Bromley's number. I'm just kidding. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's no, it's Corey Texter uh, in 100 years. Bromley was 62. So, yeah, yeah. And now he's one for a year. Yeah. So now he's 162. So 165, if Corey uh, Texture ever comes in first, uh, we could say it's 165. <laughs> All right. But uh, by the time that happens, it'll be 183. Let's just get on with this, uh, <laughs> with this show. Why don't we? Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. All right, everybody. Yes, this is episode 165. And in the studio tonight, if you didn't notice, we've got uh, Mar Banana. Mar Banana stopping by in the actually made it to the studios has to get up at uh, three o'clock in the morning, which is in about an hour. So <laughs> hopefully she'll she'll make it to work. She's on a uh, constant feed, an IV, if you will, of Red Bulls, five hour energies, and some cocaine yep. <laughs> that uh, Wigs brought back from uh, Milwaukee. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet they have the good stuff in Milwaukee. Absolutely, that's how they crank out one hundred eighty thousand Harley Davidsons every year. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so we got a full house. If we ever get another guest in here, we're going to have to make uh, – I'm going to have to bring the comfy chair and hopefully they don't fall asleep like uh, like last week, like Wiggins almost did. Your eyes were so almost Man. closing. You look too comfy. So I wasn't – I was just – I was beat. Yeah. I, I didn't – I had gotten back Tuesday and then came in here Wednesday. <laughs> I like got back Tuesday midday, end of the day, Yeah, unloaded. Came, went to work Wednesday and then came in here Wednesday. Yeah, you'd been in. I, I'm sure it was less than uh, 24 hours that you'd been home, um, which is probably why your wife uh, hates me now. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so I had to burn that chair that Wig sat in last week because I didn't want that to happen to anyone else, uh, falling asleep in that baby. But I do want to say thank you to our patrons, and I do want to welcome Mar Banana to the Creative Writing Studios. It's more of a garage with just some chairs in it, but who's who's counting? It's it's like basically a little bit better than they the, can't see. They don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's where the heart is. Yeah, you know what? And just because right I got here. you guys full desk with monitors doesn't mean I have to sit at one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, I feel like this is the Joe's Mini Bike Garage, just without ten thousand dollars worth of camera equipment over there, because their uh, their audio is about on par with this just the that crazy audio <laughs> the video setup they had was was uh outranked us but anyways enough about me <laughs> let's get into this week's show um there's a couple things we've got a couple great topics that i'm sure are going to take quite a long time to talk about tonight so uh before we get into that there's a couple things f- few things that rolled across my desk this week that i wanted to talk to you guys about and get your um opinions on first of them is that you know Euro Five is coming next year? It's been a big thing uh, the past few years. In <laughs> the past few years in Europe, um, a lot of the bikes don't get made. You know the, the Hayabusa is getting sold here because it doesn't pass 
Euro specs anymore, but they're not going to keep making it. As soon as all these are done, it's done. Same with the GSX-R750. They'll probably redesign it as a 800 or something. Who knows what's going to happen? Everything's getting that 50cc bump. But um, I'm surprised it stuck around after its race class died anyway. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, surprisingly, right. But a lot of squid buddies and um, stunter guys apparently like them. However, since Euro 5 affects uh, all of Europe and, and basically what other other manufacturers do globally and they're like well we're not going to make only usa bikes which next week we could talk about the uh <laughs> the epa stuff that might be getting that might be happening you know 59 state in california again mm-hmm. um but anyway euro five they're going to quit making a lot of stuff and i read uh something that said that air-cooled engines are inevitably threatened each time that there's a new bout of emissions regulations and euro five is no different and um I had just listened to the front of chatter and they were talking about all the bumps and displacement that's been happening, like eight, like 50 cc's here and there and how it's because they're trying to make the same amount of horsepower with choke down. It's the reason like in the eighties, remember we had like yeah. a, t- a Mustangs were only making like a hundred horsepower, 150 horsepower out of a huge engine because like everywhere they could, they choked it down. The same, they do it with, uh, like diesel trucks it's a big deal they like they added this def system which is diesel emissions fluid mm-hmm. it's supposed to like burn the exhaust so it doesn't throw as much nasty stuff out but what they had to do because they choked it up so bad they actually made the motors a lot bigger to make the same power and then the gas mileage went way down so i i get like it's cleaner but if you're using almost twice as much fuel isn't that a lot dirtier? Yeah. And <laughs> so. it's funny because that's the whole that's been one of the things with um with motorcycles in general and with certain uh you know the whole thing about the efficiency of fuel and I just we we talked about that a few weeks mm-hmm. ago before you before you took off. I was reading that thing about why electric is uh better than gas it's because but fuel is so energy dense that even though it's only like 30% efficient, it still gets further than a battery that can be like 90% efficient because you can't store the same energy energy density in a battery that you can't fuel. Fuel wastes a lot of stuff, and there's several different ways they try to get it to burn and get clean. But uh, air-cooled engines apparently are going to be, even like small ones, you know, are going yeah. to be going the way of the dinosaur, except for maybe some competition. But even like CRF 250s and stuff, and and a lot of the Yamaha stuff, they're even water-cooled, though, you know, like the WRs and the, the YZs. A lot of them are. It depends on the, kind of the level. Like, you have a CRF, like, 230 is, I mean, it's slower than a CRF 150R. So it's... Again, that's where you get into the displacement is there, but the performance isn't. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like, it's like a CBR 600 makes more power than your 750 VFR. Yeah. Like motorcycles are weird in that displacement doesn't always determine like power and performance. Yeah. And definitely the whole reason the XR was going away was because with air cooled stuff, you can only get so far before you start overcoming, having to overcome different, um, mechanical hurdles and so i think what they're saying basically is that euro 5 is coming i want to say 2020 which next year and it's going to be the deathbed in the uh air-cooled motors which is going to put v-star 250s going to put the tu 250 it's going to put um you know the r3 the yamaha r3 a lot of like starter 
or like easily licensed, not necessarily in the U.S., but in a lot of other markets, it's going to put those things like in the trash is, until they is zero three um, per bike, or is it like uh, in the states? It's per company, kind of right. In, so, in like the states, we have the cafe, which you know you have your yeah. You have to get a. You have to make a car that'll get eighty miles a gallon to offset that truck that's only getting seventeen. Right, and that's where average, like yeah, it's one of the reasons Harley wants to push like the electric so bad is they have the big air cooled right, bikes. Right, and, and it's not quite the same. Like Euro Five is like well, Euro emissions in general are black and white things that have to be accomplished by manufacturers, and and it doesn't even just mean uh, emissions. I mean, some of it sound. Some of it's safety, and so bikes are going to be getting quieter too, which is uh, – there's been a lot of stuff here in the States about quiet stuff and decibel you know, decibel laws and this and that that I've seen popping up over the last month, especially with that article that I saw on Drive where California wants to ban your fart can exhaust, I think was the title of it. And I found out that that's not necessarily true, but even since 1980 and 85 – um, noise emissions have been in effect already, and they and so that's why like Spamla has like a pea shooter for an exhaust, and a lot of bikes of that era do because there was already like a ninety or eighty nine decibel law back in eighty three or yeah somewhere around eighty three eighty five. So uh, technically, that's why Harley sounds so funny without an exhaust on them. They sound like <laughs> bubble machines, you know. They they literally they do sound go like sewing machines. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you're behind like a stock Sportster, it kind of sounds like it's saying instead of potato potato, it's kind of saying like. Wait, 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 because it sounds like a bunch of bubbles popping. And it's because uh, they're not allowed to make X amount of decibels over to come out of the factory, right? So Euro 5 is, is, is a lot of that. Everything has to have ABS now as part of it. There's like, it does, it's not just emissions. It's uh, as far as I know, it, it uh, revolves around safety too. So like everything has to be ABS now that's over 125. And I just heard a review about the new Ducati Hypermotard. And how you can't turn the ABS off. So they took this totally crazy, fun hooligan bike, and the Euro Five version is just going to be like an annoying uh, yeah. nanny nanny bike now. That's like I got all this potential, but you can't mm. unless you pull the fuse for the ABS thing. But then you don't have brakes <laughs> either. Think, so I mean, I think the ultimate goal is really we're not going to be. It's only going to be pure transportation. Like it's going to be self-driving cars. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sucks. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying that's what I think the ultimate goal is for these organizations making these laws. Yeah. Uh, well, and when you, that's not a crazy thing to say. That's uh, something I want to talk about probably next week too. Because when you look at uh, consumer electronics showcase and all the stuff that was coming out for that, it's all V to V stuff. Mm-hmm. And Audi partnering with um, Ford and Ducati and uh, BMW or whoever. There's like a bunch of car groups that are like uh, joining together to do this stuff. And they are putting sensors in. And right now it's not auto-braking your motorcycle, but it is auto-braking the cars. There's like a p- pedestrian like stop system. Mm-hmm. And uh, it puts on the brakes for you. Like cars are starting to drive themselves slowly mm-hmm. and slowly. Yeah. And there's an article between well, – the, the car I drove over has crews where it will stay a certain distance behind the car in front of you. It will stay in your lane. Yeah. And it will automatically brake. And it was – someone was telling me um, they were driving – their new truck has that – like the uh, the automatic cruise or whatever you want to call it. But it was super foggy. 
And they were like, it was actually really nice because they were able to turn the cruise on. Oh, damn. the cruise uses the sonar or whatever. LIDAR, yeah. And it could go through and, uh, like, they mm. could not see in front of them, but the cruise basically could. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they're using lasers and and some sort of uh, radar to see yeah. now, too, to the, do that the stuff. The only thing I don't like is it won't do it without cruise set. So it won't do the automatic braking unless your cruise is set. Yeah. So that to me is weird. Like, why so it assumes you... that you're not paying attention. You're paying attention less if the cruise is set. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess. Well, and with the um, where it stays a certain distance, and you can set it like three or four car lengths to two car lengths or whatever. But so, like, obviously, if the cars in front of you are slowing down, it's going. It needs to slow down to to maintain that distance, but. It won't also do it with cruise off, which I think is kind of a bummer. Yeah. There's not even a way to be like, hey, yeah, let's turn well, automatic braking on. Like introducing it slowly to see how it works, and then yeah. once they see, then yeah. they might. But that's what I. So that's that's what I mean. It yeah. It has it, but it doesn't have it. Yeah. There's so a. It's a weird. It's kind of weird that it does that. Right in between you guys, there's an article there from the LA Times this week or last week that was talking about people don't trust uh, automatic driving vehicles because of like Tesla crashes and stuff that have happened. But thirty, uh, roughly thirty-eight thousand people a year die, and yeah, but from each other trust other people. But so. they trust other people, and only like four people have died because of malfunction from these. Yeah. And other times, it saved yeah. people, so they really don't. So it's, it's there's a couple interesting things with that. So first of all, when we got this Subaru, and the first time I drove it, I set cruise and I let it break like cars are slowing down, and I wanted to know what it would do. My wife was like freaking out, yeah. but I'm like, no, I want to know how this works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like at the dealership, like they tell you, but they don't. They're trying to sell you a car, and that's all they give a fuck about, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I want to know what this does. Like, so I had my like foot hovering over the pedal, and I'm like, oh, it's slowing down. Oh, yeah, oh, it's yeah. and it like came to a complete stop. So like I wanted to know, even with the lane detection, like I took my hands off the wheel and turned lane detection on, and. That car, like the Subaru doesn't like follow the lane. It like um like ping pong balls or oh, whatever, right, right, like right. or uh yeah. pinballs like between yeah. the lanes. So it'll when it hits like one side, it'll turn off of that side and basically go to the other side and then <laughs> but it does it based on the lines, like it sees the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, yeah, like what you said, like I didn't trust I wanted to know what it did and yeah. I wanted to know how it did it and I wanted to like totally understand like what it was gonna do. Yeah. But you're right. And and there's another issue that I think they might be kind of figuring out, but not yet. So like with the driverless cars, what they're worried about is a lot of accidents if you if you have to make a split second decision, right? It's like the old um I don't know, the old like puzzle, like you're on a train and there's like someone in front of the train, right? And you can either and there's like a car full of people on yeah, the train, yeah. Yeah, so you can either stop the train, yeah. and save the car full of people, but someone else dies or whatever, yeah. right? So it's like either scenario: someone dies and someone lives, yeah. and you have to choose who. And obviously, like, I mean, I guess if it's your family, but obviously, like, if you don't know anyone, like, you're like, I don't know what to do. But in an automobile accident, like, you might have that decision. But it's so split second, right? So yeah. you just react, and that's why it's called an accident. Well, the problem <laughs> with the self-driving is they can com- compute so much quicker that they actually have to make a decision. Yep. And someone has to program that decision yep. in so it's conscious. So if it 
I don't know. So if you swerve to miss a family full of cars pulled over, but you hit head on into a semi and you die, like your family's able to sue Tesla or whoever. But if your car decides I'm not going to hit the semi, I'm going to hit this car that's pulled over with this family or whatever, then that family can like, so it's, it's one of those, like, because it is actually makes a conscious decision in that millisecond yeah. that it has picked someone that's going to die. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it's Where, because it's no, it's a, it's a um, paradox because it's no longer an accident. It's, yes. a, it's a pro it's an informed. Um, so that's one of the biggest crash. issues yeah. with, with it. And I mean, in theory it reacts so much faster and it could see those things kind of coming and slow down and avoid it. In theory, but, but if it can't. I mean, there's sometimes right. where it can't. And can. that's like, that's one of the big issues where they're like, they don't know what to do for that situation. Google because helped with that. Either way, like, either way, it made the decision to kill someone. Yeah. Google helped with that when the lady walked out with her cell phone in front of that Waymo, which is like a Google's driverless cars, and it just ran her over. It was like, dude, you're an idiot. You stepped out right in front of me w- looking down at your cell, cell phone. I'm going to take care of the gene pool right here now. You see, the solution well, is we're it, all going to have <laughs> sensors implanted into our body. You're yeah. not far off. Way. Did you watch that video I sent you? Did you watch which that video? Oh, I man. sent a video with that in it. That's a cars that uh, are the Audi thing that they're working with BMW and well, Ducati. The, they need to figure something out without putting sensors in you well no it's it's reading it's reading off the signal from your phone i that's a goal also and and what human nowadays doesn't have a cell phone in their pocket yeah right so it's reading off that and it's reading off of traffic signal little poles where they'd say oh the light's green and your car will be like oh it's green there could be someone in the crosswalk and and the thing is like there's a lot of times someone's in a crosswalk and they're not supposed to be there oh yeah And, and again like that goes back to human error just, I mean, now we're in the belief like that person has the right of way, even if they made the mistake. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, if it gets ran over, but I think in the case of the Google car, it probably should have known. Well, like, she stepped right sensors. out in front of it. Like she didn't. It wasn't like she was crossing the street and it just didn't stop. She like stepped. But not out right even in front that. Like like a human would have been. A human probably wouldn't even have stopped. But the car could have because as. When she's in the vicinity, like it would know that she's so close. Oh yeah, to it. with the new technology. And then it as would, it's yeah. coming closer, or as she's coming closer, it would even know more yeah. and be able to avoid it. Yeah, in the future. And that's- you're right. I mean, they've had driverless Google cars for years now. Yeah, they've been testing them for to doing them. I remember seeing them six or seven years ago and they were out before that like driving around doing the maps Mm. they've been and they had yeah i mean they had this driverless fleet oh they've been trying to work on it for a long time (laughs) but and that's what they're working on is that that stuff like this is pushing them to do uh more testing and development because they were like well if we had the technology now where it would have seen her cell signal yeah it doesn't have to see her where when she stepped out the camera had to see her what if someone's on a run and doesn't have a cell or either way or their phone battery dies or whatever, but I mean, yeah, but it, she came out from behind yeah, the car yeah, for like, sure. and she wasn't in the camera's view and all of a sudden again, she steps like, out. How long ago was it? And the crazy part is how much better has technology gotten yeah. since then? Well, and how dumb are people that they just look at their phone and walk into the street when a car's like, is that on her or the car? I mean, there's a car coming. Are you just going to keep on your phone and keep walking? That's like a whole other right. issue. But, but at but some yeah. point, you just have to say shit happens. Yeah, I mean, that's point, true. That's true. But in that case, like world, someone's you know? like, oh, I can sue Google. I program Google program that shit to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I so, mean, I'm. I would love to like walk out one day and lay down in my car that's like two foot tall and 
turn my 45 minute commute into 15 minutes because it can do 120 most of the way there like oh, dude with no stop signs and traffic's just flowing and everyone can merge and like that's you transforming into your lay down i would just i just go there like take a little nap on the way to work like or whatever i guess it could be one where you could sit up you could like work on stuff but why don't we just quit working on cars and just work on teleportation machines well, if, if you get that one figured oh, out, but. okay. <laughs> they have teleported light, but that was that was a long time ago. Um, so, hey, last week I reported that BRP snatched up Faster Faster Incorporated's assets, which is, which Al- is Alta. Alta, and um, but they're not going to do anything with them. They're right? not they doing. Just, they just they didn't buy the company. They just bought like some choice assets. So uh, this week, I think it was earlier this week. I think I read on Asphalt and Rubber. I think they put it real succinctly when they said, quote, for Alta, this surely signals the end of the road for the startup company, as it seems unlikely that an investor would want would choose to restart the brand without having access to its key technology components and talented staff, Rip Alta, which I think pretty much when uh, you go into EBR, let's do another company that went down the drains, and you take all their um, intellectual property and then like a few things that they own and you buy the rights to it and they can't have that anymore who's really going to come in and be like hey let's start your company up again without that <laughs> important That's what stuff Google has done with so many companies yeah, oh yeah, yeah i know i know and so it happens all the time but it's happened with alta so it is unlikely that we will see alta start up again because somebody's come in and bought the rights to and bought s- literally assets um and people at there so i don't i think they're right i think alta is probably gone which really sucks because right now um i feel like in two years we're going to see a bunch of new uh electric motorcyclists well i think electric motorcycles i think i said electric motorcyclists that'll be in a couple i mean we're gonna see those too (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think that that sucks um especially since zero just came out with the new bike on monday Um, yeah and i mean Alto is kind of leading the way with, with off-road and dirt bikes. And yeah. honestly, like that is a great market for electric. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, KTM and, Z- and Zero have had electric dirt bikes out, but they never did anything with it like Alta did. Like they And Zero's wasn't a dirt bike. Dude, if you look at it, it was a mountain bike, basically. Oh, yeah, those ones. Yeah. Like, so exactly, that one wasn't a dirt like bike. An and even their, like, even their right. Supermoto and stuff wasn't a dirt Like, Altas oh, were competitive. New yeah. yeah, no, no, that's for sure. And KTMs looked really good, but I don't remember ever seeing them. The KTM Freeride, do you remember those? And I don't, I've never seen them, like, since then. They might even still have them um, know, They're making, like, legit bicycles now, too, but... Um, yeah, the e-bike thing. I mean, I get it. One of the cool things with the e-bike is like the pedal assist. So if you have like a long commute and you want to ride a bike, like it yeah. helps you, but you're still pedaling. You know that Harley that we were talking about too? It's not a pedal uh, bike. The, it, look like, it looks just like a mountain bike, but there's no pedals. Because yeah. I watched the video and I was like, oh yeah, there aren't pedals on that thing. Yeah, no so I think it. it's like small displacement motorcycle. like uh, Kind of. And then they have two. They have the one that's kind of the scooter thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have the, uh, like the more mountain bike-ish one. Yeah. And the early zeros were basically like that mountain bike one where they yeah. looked. I just looked at a zero from 2007. I was cracking up. And that's a big part of the industry. There's a lot of pedal assist mountain bikes that people go. It's Yeah. I have some lame, Manitou like downhill forks that are basically the same forks that zero mm-hmm. used. They were just using like a downhill rig mm-hmm. on the front end. Um, the problem with that, I think, is the bicycle industry is so expensive. Oh, yeah. So it's, the good and the bad. Like to build one, you're spending a lot on components, but people are spending a shit ton on bicycles anyway. Like 
you look at like a new FZ09 and they're under 10 grand. And oh, yeah. there's a lot of bicycles out there that cost 10 grand. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? You know it? where those are popping up is like the rentals, like the, the jump bikes and stuff like that. Those are oh, the really? too. Huh. So I think there's going to be a lot more of those coming out for sure. I hope that the more people that get into bicycling get into motorcycling and the more motorcycle brands that make these little um, e-motorcycle, like mountain bike-sized motorcycles, I hope it translates into... Uh, but it's, it sucks that Alta's going away because that was an American company that um, really had some potential. Yeah. And until Zero gets their ass in gear and KTM finally decides to make that electric motorcycle a priority and not just like I a think- weird... Boutique it looks thing. like Zero may have got their ass in gear with that new bike. With the new bike, it's not a dirt bike, but you're right. Um, I wonder what the price point is on that. It's a, it, if the it's, base model comes in just around twenty, and the bad. the one with the power tank comes in at twenty something. Which is it actually looks good. Yeah, it's on par with the Nergica pricing, basically. Yeah, I um, mean because the old Zeros didn't look good. Yeah, and they were super expensive. I mean, yeah. they were like fifteen, sixteen grand, but they were gross. Yeah, you're not the only person that doesn't look like like the way they look yeah. either. Um, last thing I have I mean, on, anyone that's not blind would not like the way they look. Listen, that's kind of why I like just tuned out all the electric bikes a couple years ago because everything that was out was so ugly. Yeah, and it's yeah. just now that I'm starting to notice them because they're actually yeah. starting to look really I was, good. Yeah, the Altas did decent, and then the Energica is what we've seen. The also Altas always looked pretty good. good. Yeah, Altas always looked good, and Energica has always looked good. Next week, we don't have time for it on this week's show, but next week I went back to a post from 2008. I think it is, and I looked at the top seven motorbikes you should or electric motorbikes that you should check out, and was looking at what was hot back in two thousand seven and eight, and it was killing me how ugly these things were. But at the time, I remember looking at them, going, "Oh, like the Mission Mission Motors, like oh my god, that thing's awesome." And then I looked at it today, and I was like, "Oh my god, I was tripping." So anyway, the I last remember the yeah, mission. we'll look at them next week. I'll pop them up on the screen. <laughs> um, the last thing I got is uh, you guys know the name Renato, Romano Fanati. Does that ring a bell? Um, the Marinelli Snipers. Does that ring a bell? This dude Romano Fanati is back to race with Marinelli Snipers. Um, and if you remember, about six months ago, the Marinelli Snipers team manager said Romano Fanati has uh, demonstrated over and over that he's a danger to people on track. He's the guy that almost got tried for murder for pulling the brake lever uh, on that dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he had also had a previous run-in with VR46 staff at, at Valentino Rossi's Academy, and he was like basically just a dick to a lot of people. Well, the guy that made that statement from Marinelli Snipers and was, has come out and said the media was a little bit hard on him and we're going to give him a second chance. But his press release is the one that said he should never be able to yeah. <laughs> allowed to race. Well, and I his, thought the race organization banned him for... They least. banned him based on his press release saying that they were going to fire him and didn't think he should be in racing. So then FIM said it and then also whoever he was going to be racing uh, for the year after that. He had some it doesn't some do lined it again. up. Oh, for sure, but this guy is like, yeah, I think the media was hard, and it's just funny because I was just listening to this on front end chatter. They're like, uh, it was your press release that everyone based their news off of, and well, so and it's the, funny the that your video of him doing it, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious the way that he did it, it wasn't an accident. Oh no, yeah, it wasn't intentional. And they were the ones that said he should never be allowed to race again, and like he's a dangerous person. And now they're like, yeah, the media is a little hard, and it's like, dude, you You're were the, the media. Yeah, you, you were the, the one media. that said it first, right? So it's funny. It's pretty rad that they're hiring him back six months after saying he's the most dangerous man, and he didn't go to go to Aprilia or whoever the hell he had. 
um, his basically base had his next contract with. So in a way they kind of submarine that and sabotage that. And then they're hiring him back. Mm. Maybe it was their way to get him back at a cheaper price. I don't know, but we'll see if he, you know, a leopard can't change its spot. We'll see if he pulls some more crappers remains to be a dick after he gets away with it this way. Um, last thing, actually, that, that wasn't the last thing. This is the last thing. The World Supersport 300 is also apparently making some big uh, waves this year, and, and Anna Carrasco is back to defend her title. Um, and I wanted to segue into our first segment with this because the World Supersport 300 is a new class. It was brand new last year. It's like where a lot of smaller displacement bikes race. And the thing is, is that it's cost effective. I was just listening to Brap Talk, uh, which is formerly uh, Two Enthusiasts, and Jensen Beeler has a Kramer, which is a 400 cc race bike, like full on, you know, road race only bike. And he was saying that, like he and a lot of the other guys that race um, at Button Willow and that race at Oregon, uh, Portland International, whatever, wherever it is. He's like, you know what? He quit taking his bigger bikes, his his Ducatis and stuff, because he's like, dude, on my 400, I can go through a set of tires in like a half a year, or maybe if I ring it out a lot and don't ride a whole bunch a year. Where on my big bikes, we're going through sets of tires like once a weekend, even for race series. Like even on the smaller bikes in the race series, they're getting away with tires for a race weekend. And on the big bike, you're changing them out like every day after mm-hmm. practice. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't make it through like one session and they're done, right? So it's really cool. It keeps things cost effective and there's a lot less wear and tear on, you know, you don't have to, you're not like ringing the bike out to the you know, umph degree. It's like a little bit safer. You're not going through leathers as quite as much as if you crash all the time. You're not going through all the maintenance stuff that you have to do on bigger bikes. So it turns out that it is a pretty good class, not only to watch um, and for developing racers to get the handle on, but also for people that are racing club racing. I know a lot of guys that actually race 250s for that reason. It's cheap to buy a bike and it's cheap to maintain it and race it and it doesn't eat through tires as much as a bigger bike does. And so we got to ask Wigs last week or the week before um, kind of t- talking about this uh, cost effectiveness of a race series and cost effectiveness yeah. of bikes. Um, it was from Jason Goolmeyer, who is the founder of the WIR Top 10 Bikes list uh drag race group out of uh, wisconsin and it says got a question for ask wigs i've been going to flat out friday for the last three years and over those three years the hooligan class has evolved excuse me they went from stock bikes that you could tell someone just did a few mods for racing uh, to purpose-built race bikes at least that's how they look from the stands are there rules in place to keep costs down for people and if not is there talk about doing so? Uh, it's the nature of the beast when it comes to racing. Things always evolve into monsters uh, when they're not kept in check. And even when there are rules in place, the really ambitious always find ways around them. Hopefully, I'll hear the answer on your show. And then a follow-up quote to that was, we should do a four-way show with me and Singsime about racing costs because I came from bracket racing scene and just started the heads up racing recently bracket racing it doesn't matter how much you spend in theory lol but uh what's it say but oftentimes it's not the person who spends the most is the one who wins so bracket racing is you know you're dialing in your ets you're not it's not the dude with the biggest most displacement it's just whoever's spot on with their time so 
Wigs. We have an official Ask Wigs, our first one of 2019, and the first one in about three years. So please right. send in your Ask Wigs <laughs> a little more often. But, um, you know, me and Jay might might have to chime in or just sit back and listen to you uh, take this one for a ride as you tell us about what is the car. Okay, I, I've noticed it too. I've noticed that a lot in the past, it's not like they were taking um, stock bikes out there, but they had like some seats and maybe the fenders taken off and then some dirt tires put on. But nowadays we're seeing like a lot of body kits on stuff and the race numbers on everything. Whereas like dirt, yeah, dirt quake, you used to see the paper plates, but now you're seeing everybody's got numbers and it looks like sponsors and people are taking it a little more seriously and definitely the hooligan class, right? Well, there's a lot of sides to that. So one, um, interestingly enough, even before I knew that the WIR top 10 was going on, when we started this, I based a lot of my ideas off of this old drag race class that I believe was called Super Street, which is basically what the top 10 guys are doing. You had to have a street legal bike. There was no rule, I believe, on motor. There was no rule on nitrous or turbo or supercharger, or you could run a multiple of those if you wanted. Um, there was a tire rule. It had to be a DOT tire. Uh, Mickey Thompson eventually made a tire basically for it. There was no wheelie bars. You had to have working headlights. I think the bike had to be self-starting. It had like, to be a street. Yeah. Street. It had to start as a street yeah. bike. And, you know, that was – really where a lot of our rules came from. So one of the big questions that I got asked when we first started, um, someone was like, Hey, I got this like big 1250 or 1300 CC motor. Like, would that be cool? Like, do you think we should stick to 1200s or what if, and I was like, you know what? And this was also times of change and tracks of change, but I'm like, we're running Costa Mesa and Paris quarter mile, which is a, a loose, uh, decomposed granite track. I'm like, if you want to ride a big CC monster, like go for it. Because honestly, on both of those tracks, an 883 Sportster is just as fast as anything else. And this was also before Indian and Ducati and stuff like that. So we didn't really think about other brands coming in. Um, so the the displacement and the horsepower was never an issue because you already had too much horsepower. The bikes were already too heavy and – so it was like, yeah, do whatever you want. So kind of the same thing with that super street class too, was it was like, Hey, you have a DOT tire, you have a quarter mile and you got to get the traction to the ground. Yeah. So it was a rider based class. So if you've noticed on my bike, I still have that polished aluminum lowbrow fender that I've had for years. Part of the reason is I never wanted my bike to look like a full on flat tracker. However, it's just like a few bolts and I could have a fiberglass flat track tail on it too. Like it's not that big a deal. So I think one thing he's referring to at flat out Friday. So that's one side of it was yes. Trying to keep it cheap, trying to keep it, um, a rider class, not a money class. And the fact of the matter is two weeks ago, I raced some 40, $50,000 bikes and spanked most of them. And I rode the worst that I've ridden up there since I've ever been up there. You know, um, two of them made the main, you know, I, I mean, so the thing is just like bracket and just like the, the, you know, WIR top 10, even though it's heads up, the person spending the most money is not winning. Yeah. Really who's winning is the person spending the most time on a track practicing. Um, 
or in some cases the person who has done that because they're a retired pro. But um, <laughs> so that's kind of the base idea was if you keep it a street legal stock-ish frame, um, I think on the Sportsters we're allowed to cut the fender struts off the rear so they don't stick out. Um, if you wanted to go through and like cut off the kickstand lug and stuff like that, you could. Um, I haven't but you could, you're going to save two or three pounds. Like it's, and the thing is like, I've had my bike weighed at on the AFT scales with a full tank of fuel was four thirty. So, um, it's again, it's similar to what, what they're doing in Wisconsin where the bikes, you can't really lose much weight. You know, you're not, I mean, sure. You could replace all the bolts with tie, I guess, but you, you know, there's nothing you can really do there being a stock frame. Like you're pretty limited. So the biggest, most important rule that we have is a stock frame. Um, and that's across the board. Even the RSD guys agree with that, even though some of the RSD guys, and I quote, um, I think it was, are you fucking stupid when I said that we should have a stock frame? So, um, but you know, now that guy is a hundred percent. We need a stock frame. It was only fucking stupid when it was my idea. When it was his boss's idea, it was the best thing ever. But so that to me is the biggest rule that we have to keep. Like you can't be cutting the head tube angle and changing the head tube angle. You can't be putting a sportster motor in a CNJ chromoly frame or something like that. Um, right. Swing arms are allowed. The main reason is because out of the three people that started this – um, two of them had aluminum swing arms on their sportsters already just because that's the culture. Like you're, you're customizing your bike. So it was like they had some aluminum swing arms. So we never really worried about that. I have modded a stock swing arm now. Um, I actually tried to shorten the wheelbase and it didn't do what I was hoping it would do. <laughs> so whatever I learned, I guess, um, in theory, it was going to really help the bike come out of the corner hard and it didn't. Yeah, so I, don't know. I was going to ask what you're doing it for grab and yeah, I was doing rest. it uh, shorter wheelbase. I hope would turn quicker. So like if we were doing a diamond track and it felt okay there, um, it didn't really seem to feel much different. It would launch super hard, you know, on like a loose track. Everyone else would spin their tire and it would hook and it would really hole shot. But coming out of the corner when the tire was already spinning, it wouldn't like rehook very well. Yeah. But part of the problem too is when you shorten when you move the rear axle forward an inch, it changes your spring rate of your rear shock. Especially when you have shocks that are mounted on the side. Even when you have a mono shock, it still does. You know, you're changing your leverage to the pivot. Yeah, so yeah. um I don't know. A, a lot of people when I was doing it was like, yeah, that should really work. And it didn't. So even I talked to Carver, Carver's like he starts with his wheel all the way back in the swing arm and then moves forward until he's happy. But I'm like, an XR750 has a shorter wheelbase than a Sportster. So I was like, so what? But whatever. Um, yeah, he's getting even even shorter. <laughs> yeah, right? So stock frame, there was no motor rule. Um, the motor rule now is 750 twin and up. And the only reason really it's a 750 is the Harley Street 750. And if someone shows up on a Street 500 – anyone's going to let him run because it weighs the same. And that's really the only reason that it needs to be a 750 twin. I actually don't say twin. I actually say twin or more. If someone wants to show up on a um, CB750 four-cylinder or CB900 four-cylinder, fucking go for it. Like if you really want to wrestle a four-cylinder around the track, 
good on you. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked on the show before about the big bang and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's a reason four cylinders just don't Dude, you work. could show up with a Rocket 3, which has like a two point like yeah. two motor and see if you yeah. can like get that sucker. I mean, yeah. So yeah. So for me it has to be seven fifty or larger. And the only reason is the weight of the bike. Mm-hmm. There's not very many seven fifties out there. Or larger that weigh less than four hundred pounds. What about the Ducati Scrambler sixty two? Because that is only a four hundred and ten cc, but it's only it's only ten pounds lighter is than sixty two. The, the cubic inch? Uh, no, it's uh, the Scrambler sixty two. Um, I, I know it's a four hundred cc, and the regular Scrambler is like eight ninety. But the Scrambler sixty two is exact is almost the same it's weight. Pretty it's, well the same weight. It's only it's pretty well the same motor. It's just sleeve different. Is all yeah, it is. So it, it actually used, might weigh more because the sleeves will be. Heavier. Yeah, I was going to say. I think it was ten pound. There's a ten pound difference, and I think it's more. It might be. <laughs> no one's going to care. Yeah, because it's You're, gonna. It's either going to be so soft that it's not going to make the power. Yeah, and it, again, the seven fifty is not. So the motor's big. The seven fifty is so the bike is big. So if you show up on a big bike, no one's going to care. Yeah. You know, if you show up with a uh, – one of my buddies wanted to do a Ninja 650 and we're like, no. <laughs> He's like, well, if I make it a 750. But the problem with that motor is it's a pro flat track motor if you make it a 750. But what if he keeps it in like – You know, Ninja's, he was going to keep it in the stock Ninja frame. 650, you know yeah. what? If he rolled across scales and it was 400 pounds, then no one would probably give a shit. Yeah. Um. But if you show up and you're spanking everyone, they're gonna be like, "Okay, listen." What if you do that on a Harley? I think that's what his point was. From, was from like you could tell people just did a few mods for racing to now purpose built race bikes. Like now that he's, everybody's chopping it, he's as much not totally as right about that though. Yeah. So is it just they look like it? Yeah. Is what it is? They look more performance, but they're really not that much more performance. So, so okay, that was like the base rules, like and why we have those rules. Same with the WR top ten. That's why you run a DOT tire. So you're not because if you go to drag slicks, it changes everything for everyone. And it the tire is more expensive, but because it hooks so much better, you need more horsepower, you need more this, you need more that. Yeah. So you know, I mean we we run the the flat track tires, but on that heavy of a bike, they don't whatever the bikes do decent but because the bikes are so heavy that's really the great equalizer they're over 400 pounds the only one and honestly i've had a lot of people say we need a weight limit and i don't disagree um because of bikes like the ducati scrambler so but so what you make it a 425 420 pound i think for hooligan it would be super appropriate if it was 420 pounds (laughs) Right, just like, it just fits, right? Like, if you were like, "Hey, man, you got to hit that 420." Yeah. <laughs> so I think that would be fine. Um, and 750 is the milliliters in a pint of Jack, right? Or a, what's it called? Like sure. a bottle of Jack, 750 um, milliliters. So 750, 420. So these all make the, so much sense. The only reason, yeah. Again, the only reason it's 750 is because all the bikes are so big and heavy. So, yeah. um, so what has happened at Flat Out Friday? And this is also true for the RSD series, just on a different brand. But what has happened at Flat Out Friday, if you look at not even just the A main, because I was in it, uh, Mikey Virus is in it, Rob Bush was in it, none of our bikes, quote, look flat track. But if you look at first place was uh, a Mattia, his brother is a current pro twins rider, so you know he's really good. 
Um, second place was Heverly. I think third place was DeRuiter. Like basically out of those 12 guys, 10 of them have had a pro license probably within the last four or five years. And one of them I know got a pro license only because he was in his fifties and he was like, fuck it. I can get a pro license. Why not? Um, but a lot of the guys at flat out Friday, you look at, I'm just going to call people out cause I don't give a shit. You know, you look at Chris Hansen, who I don't think was there. Hey, just make at, sure it's factual or say, this is your opinion. So that oh, they this, don't, no, this isn't an opinion. This is hundred percent. So they don't come and sue us for like, you look slander. At, no, you look at Benny Carlson, you look at DeRuiter, um, you look at, uh, a lot of those guys that are on the bikes he's talking about. They were pros. You look at uh, Mitchler, Danny Mitchler, that was there that won uh, X Games last year. Like he told me straight up last year in Wisconsin, yeah, I was given the uh, pro class a big run up until about two years ago. And then, you know, I just, just decided to hang it up. Hmm. And then what happens with these guys, basically, they were pretty decent pros. Um, Hansen and Benny Carlson were winning supermoto stuff and doing the XR 1200 series, traveling all over the country at a very competitive pro level. So what happened was they basically couldn't hack it at a top pro level or they were coming to the end of their career and they saw the money in hooligan. And if you think I give a fuck, it's all true. So it is what it is. So they see the money in hooligan. They see that, oh, I can get a sponsorship. I can get someone to build a bike for me. I don't have to pay for anything. None of those guys own their own bikes. None of them have paid for any of their own bikes. They're only in it because someone else will pay for it. Like to prove my point, this year there's a Grand National Hooligan Championship Series that, by the way, is only in the Midwest, so it's not a very good Grand National. But you're, you have these guys that um, they want to be Grand National champs, right? That's like the pinnacle of flat track racing is Grand National. So they want to be this Grand National champ, but they couldn't. So they're going to make a hooligan series called Grand National, and then that way they can go be a champion of it. So they can be a Grand National champion, but of hooligan. Are they going to do road racing? No, like the they're Grand? just going to do a hooligan so that they can get a title and say, oh, I'm Grand National champ. That's what a lot of the Milwaukee guys are. There's like two or three – I mean, Terry Vestal was pro, but like 30 years ago. He's like a Brad Spencer, dude. The dude's 60-some years old, white hair, and he rips. I'm not going to hate on that. The dude's old as dirt. Like, he's been doing it forever. Um, His bike was an old 883R race bike that I think he used to race. But it's hard to, like, look at a dude that's in his 60s and be like, you fucking old pro out here sandbagging, (laughs) right? I mean, when I look at a dude like him and nothing but respect for Vestal, but I'm like, you're not in a retirement home. You're out here racing. That's fucking rad. Yeah. But there's just so many dudes out there that are. You wouldn't bust Preston Petty's chops for being 80 something, but having one like the, all the pro hair scrambles back in the fifties. Um, (laughs) Same with Spencer, which Spencer wasn't pro very long or very like serious or very high level, but he just rides all the time. Again, the dude's. I don't know, late 50, I think he's in his 60s. And, and he kills, like he's fast. So Still not as old as me. And you know what? Both those guys, bought, they have their own bike. But you have a, a slew of dudes, especially in Milwaukee, um, that are old pros that got on someone else. Like these, these shops are building them top of the line, fully built race bikes. And I think what, what Gulmeier's 
noticing is they are cookie cutter flat track bikes. They all have high pipes with big heat shields. They all have the stereotypical flat track tail. Most of them have an XR style tank. They look cookie cutter flat track. So I have just avoided that with my bike. I haven't done the XR style tank because I don't, I don't want that. I have never done the flat track tail. Actually, when my bike first got built, it got built with a flat track tail. And the first thing I did was go back to the fender that I had cut up on the bike. And then shortly after I got the lowbrow fender, but I have just avoided that look. Same with like butcher, um, Sean and Aaron from suicide have actually had the flat track tail since we first started. Cause they, that's how they built their street trackers. Yeah. Um, but that's what he's noticing in Milwaukee are these semi pro pro guys. I mean, pro card and competitive pros. But when I say, I don't want people to think, what I mean by pro is guys that competed with Mies or at that level, you know, like Carver, Mies, Baker. That's not who's doing it, except Joe Cop. Um, not current pro is what you're but saying. But like five years, four or five years, like not long. I think the rule um, that that promoter says is you could you can't have a pro card for two years, which to me is a fucking joke. So basically, um, in a year, Kenny Coolbeth can come race with us. That'd be pretty rad in my... I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool, though. Pretty except, cool, Beth. Except... <laughs> except he'd be really good, right? No, he, yeah, but how cool would it be if a dealership just said, hey, here's a fully built bike Basically, that we here, spent 20 grand yeah. on. You're going to go out and just dominate and spank everyone. Basically, here's AFT at what's supposed to be a hooligan level? Yes, okay. and what it's doing that Goldmeyer notices is it is increasing the level of money spent on the sport and not necessarily in a good way. The money's coming in. Our sport right now is getting more money than any non-professional motorcycle racing in the fucking uh, world pretty, right now. It's pretty amazing I what's mean, happening. It's really getting more money than a lot of professionals. Like there are more hooligans out there on full rides than there are singles flat track riders for sure. Cause there's what three singles flat track riders that are getting anything. But some of it earned and some of it like there's literally guys that are like, oh, hey, I this is my resume of professional racing. I am not ready to not be like to pay for my own ride. So someone else give me something. And that's there's a lot of it. And that's to me, that's basically what Goldmeyer's picked up on. Yeah. But to to defend that, though. As much as I don't totally agree with it, because one of the questions I asked Goulmire was, okay, what do you think about my bike? Because mine has R6 front forks, which are the top, that's what um, that's what Carver, well, I think he runs F4i forks. So people either run F4i or late 90s R6 forks on most of the pro flat track bikes. The Indians come with something different, um, but all the XRs, that's what they were running, all the Cowies, that's what they were running. And honestly, Carver had an Indian with uh, F4i forks on it when they first started because they wanted to eliminate variables. So they put on a rear shock that they knew and F4i forks that they knew right. because they knew that suspension. Right. But so, yeah, and I've got, you know, good piggyback rear shocks. I mean, I, I've got to run the twin shocks. I can't run a. I could run a monoshock according to Roland's rules because there's a loophole in how he wrote him. But I also know Roland, if I did it, he would make it illegal as soon as I did it. Because someone cut their frame and according to Roland's rules were good. And then when Roland saw it, he was like, oh, you can't run that. Even though the dude spent a lot of money on it. 
Um, and again, it, it fit his rules. Like if you read his rules for the words, it was totally legit. Hmm. But again, that's one of those, if an Indian did that, it'd be fine, but whatever. Um, so yeah, so I've got good piggyback rear shocks. I've got billet wheels. I don't have like a heavy rear and a light front. Um, but I've got billet wheels. I've got R6 front forks. I've got, um, flat track bars, I don't have adjustable triple trees. I'm sure they would help a little bit, but I don't know. Um, yeah, and I've got a, a motor that runs pretty pretty clean with some ported heads, and I'm getting ready to put some Buell heads with a 1250 kit. So my bike's actually built pretty good. I've got fancy foot controls that I laser cut to be to have my feet kind of where I want them. Um, so if you sit on mine and sit on someone else's that looks all flat tracky, it's pretty similar. It's going to ride about the same. I just have kept the style the way that it's been because I didn't want it to fit that cookie cutter category. And I've wanted it to kind of stand out a little bit because I still am of the belief that hooligan racing should be more WWE than flat track. Like, yes, it's flat track, but that's not what makes it cool. What makes it cool is the characters that are out there. Yeah. And a guy running a fully built, um, they even put XR1200 on the tank because they're all that lame. Um, just because he wears fringe on his jersey doesn't make him a wrestler. Like, I don't know. Are you talking about Macho Man Randy Savage? Um, is, is, is he out there? About Benny Carlson. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, that. I don't know. People are trying real hard to have the like personality that, that the hooligan racing started with and what made it cool. But they're again, they're coming in with their pro cards and stuff and it's, it's not, I don't know. And there's just, you know, so many guys are, it's, it's down to the clothes you wear. Like for a long time, dude, we all wore Dickies or blue jeans and t-shirts or long sleeve shirts or hoodies. And then like, obviously we were more, and I, I wear a lot more safety gear than a lot of people because if I feel safe, I ride faster. But I wear – and part of it is the way Icon style is. Like I'm able to wear pants that look like pants and I'm able to wear a jacket and a jersey over it. And we style our jersey to not be so like cookie cutter too. But there's guys out there in either full moto gear and stuff. And it, I think he's right. Like the look is going pro yeah. and that to me is hard on what we're doing. It's not the direction that it should go. And – on the flip side, those guys don't give a fuck. When the money dries up, they'll just go on to something else and they don't really care. They're not invested in it personally. Yeah. So I don't know. And, you know, at the same time, look at Nitrous Chris's uh, Jigsaw. He literally cut the frame to drop the front end. So, well, uh, he, that thing has been a 10 year work in progress. No, it has. Too. It has. And he did it himself, but he even altered the frame. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's past what hooligans will do. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, yes, the bikes are looking more and more pro, looking more and more flat track, but some of the basic rules are still – and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if some of those bikes are cheating just a little bit, whether they've had the head two pushed back a little bit or they've got cut in some places that no one really looks at. You know, I mean, Or if that, they legitimately crashed and had the head two bent uh, to their advantage maybe. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. So – you know, I mean, it's the same with the WIR top 10. Like we have similar rules. Um, and, and a lot of it's, you know, like some of the trickiest stuff on my bikes, like my foot controls that I have zero money in, but I have a lot of time in 
and I have the access to a laser cutter to where I can basically make them quickly, weld them up, and and I'm good to go. So, you know, that's what a lot of which I also think is cool. Like when racing was rad in the '60s and '70s, that's what everyone was doing. I mean, that's how Shelby and Ford went to you know the I, Shelby with the Cobra Daytona won a world championship, and that's how Ford won Le Mans. Like. It was dudes in their garage that just were building badass stuff, even though they still had a lot of money thrown at some of it. But that was kind of the cool stuff with racing. But the dudes at the top 10 are doing the same. They're they're looking at their bikes and seeing what they can change to make them just a little bit better and a little bit faster. So it's similar. Um, and again, like I, I think when we started, a lot of my – ideas came from that super street drag Oops. class yeah so um when he says you know are there rules in place if not are there you know are there plans to do so there have been rules in place there are rules in place have those rules changed now that more people want to get into it or have the rules changed now that people are getting faster and actually like hooligan seems like it's taking off as like a legitimate all of sport. the basic rules have stayed the same yeah okay i mean the stock frame thing's not going to change. Um, the 750 and up's not going to change. Um, <clears throat> 19 inch wheels are just a standard for flat track, so that's not going to change. Um, they're not. They're not mandatory, but I mean that's. Some people say they are. Um, I don't like. Uh, Juan rides his Buell XB, and he's got 17s. Yeah. And the what bike. The, what do the rules say? They say they originally said you have to run 19. Oh, okay. And then they were like, "Oh, we don't want to exclude Juan." So he is good looking. Well, I, I wouldn't want him out of my series. It was either. kind of funny because it's like, "Oh, you're going to change it because this person's doing it." But that was something that could have been thought of when they, there's no need to say you need 19. Mandatory, right? Because yeah. the fact of the matter is, you know, you could say no knobbies, which I totally agree with because it tears up tracks yeah. but a, a lot of tracks have a no i mean that's yes like, yes doesn't matter on the but the series. thing is like you don't need to make a rule that says you have to run 19s because there's not a better fucking tire out there so you're allowing them to run the best tire available so you would you why would you limit it to that if someone wants to show up with a shitty enduro tire let them They're, it's yeah. not going to be better yeah so i don't know but yeah, so those rules aren't really going to change. And there's really not a lot of other rules. There's like a few like So they're trying to not be chain. prohibitive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and again, with those bikes, there's nothing you can really do to really make them that much better if you don't change the frame. Yeah. You know, if you're running a stock frame and your stock mount points for your rear suspension and stuff, there's not a lot you can do. Yeah. So, and even, like I said, the Indians, they spend a ton of money on them. They probably have 40 or 50 grand per bike. And that Indian basically came out to be not much more than a Ducati scrambler. So, you know, you spend all that money on it and it's still like, yeah, it's a good bike, but it's not going to dominate. It's, it's not beating 25 year old sportsters. Yeah. So, and again, it comes down to your, your contact patch is an inch wide and your bike weighs 400 pounds and your rider weighs 160 to 250. Yeah. All the other variables seem to be what makes up the, uh, the brunt of it. Yeah. So, uh, Jason, I hope that, um, answers part of your question and, uh, Wiggins, you need a break, my friend. That was a good, that was a good, uh, 
you know, I, I explanation knew that'd be a good of rant. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, those are easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't necessarily turn out to be a rant. It was pretty informative. And um, yeah, we're probably we're coming up on an hour. We're probably going to take a break and stretch our legs. You do the same. Listen to a couple stupid ads, and then join us back for the second hour when we pick up right where we left off uh, with more from Mar Banana, who's been over there pretty quiet, but she was taking notes, and I think she's going to uh, come out with the hooligan bike of her own <laughs> pretty soon. <laughs> Got me thinking. But um, yeah, I, I like that explanation of um, what's going on in the hooligan class. All right, we'll be right back after the quick break to talk more motorcycles with Creative Riding Motor Smelly Podcast. Hey, Creative Riding listeners, this is Moto G. Pete from the NoCo Moto Podcast, the best motorcycle podcast that you've never heard. Why haven't you heard of us? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think the Clawman Pickle Corporation been paying iTunes to repress any other motorcycle pickle related content. And like our theme song barely even mentions pickles, but whatever. Just give us a listen. Hey there listeners. This is Patreon subscriber Narissa coming to you from inside my helmet in the land of beer and cheese. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to the Creative Writing Podcast because you're obviously ridiculously good looking. All right, everybody, we are back and uh, we're Having a little conversation about Jay's Harley Davidson, as you know, she's we've talked about it from previous episodes. Uh, she called in and stumped the chumps, no, nobody's been able to figure it out, and we still can't figure it out. But listen to this the question is, is it worth figuring out? <laughs> uh, yeah, I already have the answer. <laughs> Big fucking no, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, on this half of the show, we're gonna let Mar Banana uh take over and we're gonna talk some crash stories and stuff fun stuff like that first off though mar banana you're brand new to the show um i have to ask how long have you been motorcycling did we talk about this when we uh had yeah you? you asked me a while back i think it's almost around nine or ten years it's changed now because we asked you about six weeks ago or eight <laughs> weeks ago or maybe no actually i think it was before christmas Right? Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. We, we, it was a long time ago. It was ages ago. Yeah, at least six months ago, which is like in the nowadays might as well be like twelve years ago. People can't remember stuff after six months. So now you've been riding for ten and a half years. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's twenty-two <laughs> years. So. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> right. That's how internet time works. Um, um, no, I I moved to LA about ten years ago. Um, I started off on dirt bikes when I was a teen. So cumulative, it's about nine or ten years mm-hmm. with a few breaks for recovery due to my crashes. Dude, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's what we want to talk about tonight. Um, I did I did send a bunch of video links out for you guys to look at this week because there's some crazy stuff happening and some crazy stuff coming down the pipes to mitigate when we ever, whenever we have a crash. I got to tell you, I was riding this baby, the old uh, VFR on, uh, f- I think it was Saturday. 
And dude, I hit the gas so hard, my visor almost flew off. (laughs) (laughs) It made me scared, but scared because I I was way up high in the RPM range. And um, normally I don't really do that stuff like on the surface streets. And I had Mm -hmm. to stop and I was like, wow. And when I stopped, my visor was flapping and I was like, wow, that was pretty crazy. Um, Of course, it was not on the Icon Helmet that Wiggins uh, so generously gave to me. It was on. I give this guy a brand new helmet that's been riding ridden like once, and he wears this old shitty helmet that he's had. (laughs) I do. How do you like that icon helmet? It's It's nice. The one that has that like massive visor. Yeah. 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 What color visor do you get? It's the photochrome, whatever. Like the mirror. Yeah, that looks bitching on him. Yeah. The the clear just looks weird. It's funny. We were talking about that when we were out there last week, and they were like, "Yeah, we didn't know how to go over." But they've sold 40,000 visors. I have to say it looks cool, but when you have it open... Right, it like, catches a lot of wind. Yeah, like yeah. I, I I don't ride with it open, you even guys though just, it has like a cool visor. You guys just said visor. something absolutely ridiculous. What? When you have it open, it catches wind. You don't ride a fucking motorcycle with your visor open. But when but it has those little... Have you not seen modular helmets? When it has those little... <laughs> you don't ride them with modulars up either. That's for I, when you stop. I, I That's for like when the cops write you a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When you're going into the, the uh, convenience store. Actually, one thing that they do like on those, because they look a lot better with the chrome or a tinted visor. Um, yeah, they, it looks You bitching. can get the inner visor in clear. So a lot of people will do that, and then if they get stuck out at night or something, they'll flip the visor up yeah. and then put the inner one down. I thought you didn't ride with the visor up. <laughs> Isn't that what you're telling <laughs> I us? Don't, I ride it dark with a tinted <laughs> visor, and I can't see shit. Yeah, I do it anyway. I used to do that too. Oh, my God. One of the worst nights I ever had was a long time ago. I went out to um, one of the hells on But I always race in clear. Yeah. Even everywhere. Unless it's daytime, but yeah. I went to a hell on wheels race and only had my dark visor with me, and I was riding home. And, uh, you know, it's like out in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't see. And even flipping it open, I had dirt. You know, it's like out in Crapville, too. So I had dirt going in my eye. And I was like, my eyes are watering at that point. And then the wind, I, it was it was bad news because it's a seri- it was a seriously tinted And a lot visor. of the chrome ones aren't as dark as a tinted one. Yeah, see, that's it's the thing. It's weird because on the outside, they look super dark. Yeah, but they're yeah. A lot that's why I like those better. Um, but you have to be careful if I you had- scratch them. They're yeah, I had a scratch. tinted visor, and I have prescription glasses, but I was um, only brought my prescription sunglasses with me. Oh, man. we went climbing, and so then I had to ride home. So I had my tinted visor and my sunglasses. Yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were doing it right. That, that was a fun ride. I did this summer after you gave me that thing. It was bright a couple days, and I had the visor and that little inside yeah, like yeah, blast shield down, dude. It was it was bright a couple of those days, and I so. Don't, None of them that I actually wear have that shield in them because I just – they have so many models and I have so many helmets that I try to only – I only keep two. That's one of the reasons I gave you that. It's not that I don't like that helmet, but I have – I race in the Airframe Pro for the most part and I have some variants, which are like their kind of moto-looking enduro one. Um, So I just like – that's, I'm like, I don't need a third different helmet. <laughs> I have, like, I literally have two helmets in my living room right now that have not been opened because I had money <laughs> left on my budget. So I ordered a new Airframe Pro in white and a variant that I like. It was like camo with some green on it. Yeah. And I was just like, whatever. And I haven't even opened them. There is, um, there, one cool thing about that is because I love the, I love the, um, vi- the, what's it called? Like the, uh, visors, not the, 
shield, face shields, but the visors, like the ADV, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a dirt bike visor when the sun is coming right down in your face. So with that one, I feel like you could flip open the... You probably could have both. Flip yeah. open the face shield and then flip down the little sunnies, like the little blast shield, and have like a visor to keep it out of your well, face. Do you want the visor with a shield or do you want just the visor and then goggles? Either one. So that helmet, get the visor with the shield. I'm uh, at that I don't think it's officially released. So I can't say much, but be on the look for that helmet. That's the air form, I think. The air frame. No, it's not the air frame. Air flight. Air flight. Okay. So uh, they they have like a moto visor thing kind of coming cool. out. Cool. Does it look like that, that thing when you have it flipped open? Well, I mean, yeah. if you can't say. Actually, don't. there's already pictures of it on the net because yeah. uh, I saw on Icon's website this week that. There's a picture of me he's like the title at the top of one of the um, new collections, and I have that helmet on yeah. with the little visor on it. But we, um, my buddy I did the shoot with wanted to keep it. He wanted it the, the dirt bike style visor, or a, I call it a visor, but it's not. They're calling it a beak. Okay. Or mm-hmm. a or peak. A peak. They're calling it a peak. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah so they're, um, so he wanted the peak, so I swapped him for the shield, so you got the shield. But um, that's kind of cool with that helmet that you're going to be able to swap it, swap the shield out, put a peak on it, and then run goggles. Yeah, I that, I would rock that for sure. Even yeah, it's a rad looking peak. Like I said, I just having so many variants. I'm like, I don't need a peak on another <laughs> one. I can always pull the shield out of a variant and use goggles if I want. Yeah. So Mar Banana coming to us tonight. I must add on the Slacker mic. The mm-hmm. mic that you're on is paid for by Old Man Slacker, who is uh, our number one contributing patron on Patreon. And um, I, you, uh, right now, I can see you got a knee brace on. Yeah. You just said you would have hella crashes. What's and you might want to eat that uh, mic up there when yeah. you're when you're talking. Well, I got a. Uh, all my knees are, are going to shit recently. That's why I, every day I have to wear a brace. Yeah. One of my I posted on Instagram that I was having issues with my knees, and uh, a friend Sonia, she actually sent me. She bought me a brace, and this is the one that I'm wearing. Yeah. So shout out to her. Thank you so much for that. But yeah, I've uh, I've hit hit the pavement more than more than <laughs> once. <laughs> you know, as much as we joke about it, I've only crashed. On the street, uh, two times, and one time because so, somebody hit me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody yeah, ran into me. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Uh, the first accident that I had took me out about two years. No kidding. Yeah, I, I was walking. It took me two years to like walk without any assistance. No kidding. I started off. I spent a month in the hospital, six months in a wheelchair couple months on crutches then gradually to a cane what ha- like what was the deal um i got t-boned all of my accidents oh, all three i was t-boned in every one so i was going home i was going down i lived in west hollywood and so i had just left the gym and um, i was headed home it was like 11 o'clock at night and i had a green light so i was going forward and so there's the streets are kind of like like zigzag so like it's not a straight across like a perpendicular so that person had a stop sign and uh, thank god somebody witnessed the the person rolled through the stop and then i just i have no memory of the accident oh so, crazy yeah so i woke up uh, briefly of a memory of like this hazy memory 
I think, in the ambulance, and then a hazy memory in the ER with, like, bright lights and the doctor going, we have to operate on you. Is that okay? And I'm just like, what? Do whatever, whatever the yeah. fuck you need to do. And then, like, $40,000 later, you're like, why the <laughs> well, hell? Yeah, literally, then I woke <laughs> up, and I had an X fix on my leg all the way up to my thigh. I just had all of these metal components coming out of it. And uh, what if you just had like a horse leg? <laughs> like you look down and you had like a hoof, and you're like, "Oh, dude, I did not authorize." Well, I was just this. reading an article the other day that there's a surgery called a rota- rotoplasty, where they actually t- amputate your leg and then they flip it the other way. Huh. And so there was a picture of this guy with his foot facing the other way. It's and his gnarly. knee bends forward now instead of yeah, backwards. I don't know how it works because I thought it was like a joke, and I was like, "What the hell?" Was it on the site called? Was it on a website it was Fox called News. The Fox News or the Onion? <laughs> it could have been fake. Um, yeah, no. I luckily, very luckily, um, both of my crashes were pretty low speed. The first one I had literally didn't even have my license yet, um, and I had ridden dirt before, and I like I grew up on dirt and riding dirt bikes and stuff with my neighbor. And then when I got older and I had a dirt bike and then I got on the street and you, you know, you don't, a lot of times in the dirt, you don't counter steer. You do kind of like mm-hmm. steer it in, you know, like a bicycle more or less. Mm-hmm. And then on the street you counter steer. And so I totally screwed up my first like really high speed corner after coming over, we were going downhill over train tracks and the light was turning red, like all the worst. And mm. and it was wet. Like there was sprinklers running across down the hill that we were going down. So it was like five different mm. things. Hazards. All it. Yeah. And one, literally one intersection. And I was like, oh, and I turned the front brake and like, or no, I turned the front wheel the, and it just, the bike didn't turn. And I, luckily I just fell over and slid, but that was number one. And then the second one, you guys probably can both relate to this. You know, when a, a lot of times here in LA, we have like two lanes going one way and two going another, especially mm-hmm. on the big boulevards and stuff, but even like on a lot of the side streets, right? When cars pull out, there's usually sometimes a center turn lane or they just pull out at a 90 degree angle because they want to hit that f- first lane and then they'll turn because they want to cross the two, you know, they want to clear the two lanes of oncoming right. traffic before they start their turn. So I kind of, this guy starts pulling out at a stop sign and he guns it and I'm looking at him and I'm like, He's coming straight out, but I, you know, I'm like, oh my God, he's going to turn, I hope. I hope he's turning because if not, he's like, there's no way we're not going to hit. Like, you know, this happened so it wasn't really, I didn't have that much time to think Mm -hmm. in my mind. I saw him pulling away from the stop sign and I just had this gut feeling that he wasn't going to turn. So I start putting on the brakes and steering away from him right when he looks up and sees me and starts steering away from me. And we kind of, he did steer away from me, but I still hit he hit me and hit the, it was Spamela and he hit, luckily she's super light. So just knocked Spamela out. And I just did a Duke boys on my back across his hood. <laughs> and like, that's the only time I've ever been hit by a car and I don't, and it was a T-bone mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't want that to happen again. That was not fun. And that's like the only real crash I've had, uh, on the street. And it's just because like a weird, you know, he just didn't see me in traffic. And then of course, like in LA, 
it happens to me in the, my car all the time. People are pulling straight toward you, but then they turn because they're yeah. trying to clear those two lanes of traffic. So it's kind of one of those weird things where like you're not sure, am I about to get in an accident right now? Uh, or it's my everyday. I have that feeling <laughs> yeah, every day. I, know. I had that feeling about 10 times on the way over here. Yeah, you crazy <laughs> That's commute. That's just part of community. Yeah, 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 literally. Yeah, you just take your life in your own hands in LA for sure. I definitely, when riding... Uh, way more alert than when I'm in my car. Like, mm. I hate to say that because I feel like in my car even, like I might even, my wife will text or something and I'll look and I'm like, oh my God, stop to put it put it down. Put it. I'm always against that. And I, when I see people on my bike and I'm like, you ass, you know, and then I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, I got to be better because on my bike, I'm so, I'm looking at everybody four times yep. to make sure nothing's crazy, especially when you're sharing lanes, you know, and you're just waiting for that a-hole that's going to pull across the double yellows to get yeah. into the carpool lane mm-hmm. or vice versa, right? Yeah. It always happens. Um, and so we have Solstice Slam coming up on March 22nd, and I, I wanted to s- inspire people with some of our crash stories. But I don't know, Wiggs, have you ever – you've never crashed on the street, right? You had that one crazy that you submitted for Spooky Spokes. Yeah, yeah. Where that- I avoided one where I almost died and someone else did die. But no, I've been pretty lucky on the street. Well – Luck's part of it. Luck's definitely not all of it. But yeah, I've I commuted every day for five years. Yeah, um, my Dyna's got seventy five thousand miles on it, and I've I've been pretty fortunate. Yeah, but you just every like motorcyclist that I know that's ridden on the street and not crashed a bunch, they all say the same thing. They're like, you just know what cars are going to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you it. develop like, a sense, right? Yeah. yeah. So not that still something can't happen, but like that's what everyone I know that's ridden a long time and lived has said. Yeah. So it's that's crazy. And you just you ride within your limits. Like I'll lane split what I think is pretty fast and people will come up on me and I'm like, you just go for it, dude. Yeah. Just have at it. You know? Like at the same time, like I'll pull up behind people going super slow too, and I'm like, get out of the fucking way. (laughs) But you know, you just you go at the level you're comfortable at and where you think that your brakes are gonna stop and you think that you can kind of avoid it. And and that's I don't know. I mean that's but I have also in the last couple of years pretty well converted to 99% track riding. Yeah. Yeah, you know a lot of my friends, most of my friends that race, I've talked about Carrie and Pat before on the show. They vintage motocross and they vintage uh, road race now and it's all because uh they've had their fair share. Carrie a couple times has got hit by cars on the street. They've had their fair share of getting ran over and they're sick of it. A lot of people I know, a lot of people I here on other shows or on the radio talk about you know the reason they love track days everybody's going the same direction mm-hmm. there's no oncoming traffic there's no minivans out there on the track with 18 screaming kids and a distracted <laughs> driver speaking to our topic earlier of like car safety where it's going and all that stuff but yeah they they're getting out of uh street riding because of all the danger stuff well i mean i think that my theory is that every month that i ride and i commute from my 20 miles one way i probably take a month off of my life expectancy (laughs) yeah it's a hard 20 miles but i i enjoy it and i know the risk the inherent risks and having had so many crashes i know what to expect i also know what to look for i think i've learned a lot of lessons i've made mistakes that i think contributed to some of my accidents so um but i'm i'm addicted to it like to me it's like a game i think like 
I look at it like Tetris. I played Tetris obsessively as a kid. And so I'm just always trying to say, okay, where can I fit in? (laughs) Like, where can I maneuver? And I have some videos, some crazy videos of some gnarly maneuvers that I don't know how how I did it. It was just like muscle memory. Yeah. Uh, You know what's crazy? I was just looking, I, you know, in our little show outline, I know I sent you guys some video of this uh, Jarvis helmet, which has like um, video built in and connected. Uh, it has like front and rear cameras, and it's like totally connects. Everything is connecting now, obviously, to everything else. So your phone and and all your Bluetooth and all this and that. But I noticed your videos are pretty cool. Is that off your Senna that you're doing that? Yeah, that's off the Senna. You have like the 10C or whatever, yeah, right? Or the 10? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's got like yeah. the, the one with the video camera on it. Yeah, it's that. nice because it's like streamlined because I used to ride with a GoPro, but it was just a pain in the ass because I had to have an extra battery pack because halfway through the ride, my battery would die. Yeah. So then the extra battery pack made it hard to turn it on, and then I had to mess with it in the morning. So I just turned on the headset. It's ready to go. I have my music, I have my GPS, and it's all built into one, so it's nice. Yeah, and I really dig the videos. They're pretty good quality. Um, I forget. There's like a new version of that that's got like a 4K camera or whatever the hell on it. But um, I'm actually surprised there's not really many options yeah. for headsets with built-in cameras. And I think – does Senna have a new model? Is that what you're talking about? I think about? it is. And I think it's called like the 10 – it's still the 10, but I think it's like the 10 and there's like two or three letters. Um, I forget exactly what it is, but it's just like a better, a little bit better camera or something like that. But I mean, or maybe I'm thinking this is the 10C. Maybe I'm thinking of the 10S where it had, you know, something and this is the one with the camera. You know, the this yeah. is like the top top one maybe. But I, I think they have like a newer one. They have newer models, but I haven't seen any more with cameras on. Yeah, yeah that, that might be the only camera one. I was just last night with my girlfriend that we kind of feel like they might have given up on it. Or I don't know if they're still developing. Or- uh, I think it's just because right now, like, there's nobody else making it. They're like the leader in the field of like, an integrated cam because 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 you got GoPros obviously that everybody uses and then you've got Cardio Cardo and um, Senna and who else Scala I don't know if they still make stuff but uh, like Scala Rider or whatever I mean if you if you're gonna do one thing do it good but they they're doing two things I think just not a lot of people want to put all of the um, it's already a lot of a lot of logistics and technology goes into making a wireless network that right. integrates with other you know communication network basically like a localized one and airwaves and regulations and all that crap that like we don't even think about when we buy these things and then to stick a camera on that and make it streamable <laughs> like does that stream to a card is that uh, how that works it's, yeah it's just on an SD okay card. so you so have it's to like, it's not like a live stream yeah you have to download just, that yeah. you can't do it to your youtube followers yet or your Instagram I, I might be able to with the app i don't know i haven't messed around with it <laughs> right my 360 cam has something where it'll do like a live yeah that's a yeah there's probably an app for it yeah, too. Yeah, I think so. they're like the yeah. GoPro stuff. You yeah, can probably do like that I with. said, it's connecting. Everything's connecting with everything now. Um, last, you guys weren't here, but last um, last weekend too, I, I uh, talked about the SMRC, which was just formed. It's the Safer Motorcycling Research Consortium, and it was incorporated just this just last month, actually. Um, it's an industry-led nonprofit organization composed of motorcycle manufacturers, suppliers, research organizations, and other sh- uh, stakeholders, which I, I'm guessing is going to be like gear OEMs and anybody that has anything to do with integrating safety into their 
uh, product. And they have three objectives, basically, which is um, integration of motorcycling into the modern transportation ecosystem. And that has a lot to do with what Audi and Ducati and all those guys are trying to do exactly what we were talking about earlier today. They're trying to bring bi- bikes into that and like make make us more visible and less crashy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so far, no talk of all this self balancing stuff that has also been in the news recently with BMW and Honda having uh, you know and Honda and Yamaha having their like self balancing stuff back in 2017. Um, none of that stuff's like made the made that part of it yet where it's going to be auto driving like you know Wiggins car with like the auto braking and lane mm-hmm. detection and stuff so far none of that stuff but it's only a matter of time I think before we're actually going to be close to that at least actually Honda has auto braking I don't know if it's um I don't know if it's compulsory or if it's mandatory in certain markets but they have it so that might be actually coming um, but they're also about enhancing and improving infrastructure and operations uh, to advance traffic safety and protect motorcycle riders and passengers, which also goes into the infrastructure and V2V communication deal that's actually been kind of going on over the last couple of years. And then improving the human factor um, that affect motorcycle safety, which I don't know what that means. Does that mean like we can't drink five-hour energies well, and ride across country? I think the human country? factor should be number one. Because <laughs> my whole issue with all of this is it just with our what we were talking about earlier with the safety measures and cars, I feel like everything is becoming very algorithmic and robotic and we're putting all of this like faith in these algorithms and these robots so that we can tune out and do all of these other things and to me it's like a pet peeve it's an irritant because like you're saying when i get on the motorcycle i'm like four thousand percent tuned in i'm like amped i'm looking at everybody i'm in tune with the smells the feeling of the road (laughs) um you know everything and so then i just get irritated because i look over in this car next to me it's foggy it's raining and their face isn't a cell phone yeah you know what i mean and it's just like the these people are starting to feel like okay we're enclosed we have all of these things taking care of us and I, I just, I don't know, I don't like that. I just wish that more people were engaged. I don't like this, like, tuning out culture that I feel is developing in our society. Dude. We're just handing over the keys to, okay, well, you can automate it. Literally, you know? uh, going back to the woman that got ran over by the Google car, not even looking where she's going, just walking out <laughs> into the road because yeah. she's on her phone. But, you know, the new Nissan ad uh, that I've been seeing for the past couple months is the... M- most tech or the best tech that you have is in your driveway is what they're claiming and car makers are integrating with with companies like Amazon and um, and this isn't for safety like this is getting off the topic of safety they're just integrating with anything uh you know Apple Apple CarPlay like anything they can get their hands on Spotify has actually got some deals going with car makers just to get people like interested in being in their car and mm. not paying attention and so part of that equals well then we need to make the car able to pay attention and drive itself. And when you throw motorcycles into that mix, even even the AMA, when they were talking about all this infrastructure stuff about two or three years ago, when in Europe it was really, uh, there's already a, a, a consortium, some sort of, um, I forget what the name of it is over in Europe, but it's like a connected uh, thing where they're using infrastructure already in Europe. And the biggest thing over there is so much, so many more people commute on motorbikes. They're like, dude, we need to be, be a part of that. And the AMA saw that and went, hey, like we want to make sure that every step along the way you're doing it in the States, that you've got motorbikes in mind. The Ford 
um, lane split mirror or whatever, the lane split detection that's been integrated into the, the new 2017 and or 2018 and newer Fords is like one, but that doesn't tell the thing any, that doesn't, that's just a haptic, I think, to tell the driver there's a motorcycle there. But I mean, I guess it's a start, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've gotten so irritated just in the last few weeks because I wear high vis gear, I have a bright yellow bike. Uh, when it's nighttime, I've had to start turning on my flashers. I literally ride with my flashers. Because they're not looking. Huh? They're not seeing you because they're not looking. Exactly. I sta- I've been standing up on my pegs to make myself more visible. Like, I'm doing all of these things, and I see all of these modern cars. The ones that are always the ones that are riding the line, yeah. fucking Teslas. Yeah. <laughs> the modern cars. It's always the cars where I see their light come on, and I'm honking at them with my fucking air horn, and I'm just like, okay, your light is on. I can tell that your car is notifying you that i'm coming by i'm flashing my lights at you and they're just zoned out dude i don't know if it's like (laughs) because of because are you on a freeway at this point too most of the time yeah yeah i spend most of my days on the freeway i don't know why but i feel like over here wigs like in our part of town more people maybe commute or maybe more people own motorcycles i don't know what it is but i feel like more people are in tune maybe it's because they commute so far on the freeway that they see more motorbikes i don't know what it is but i feel like i have less of that over here but i have more of it like when we go to downtown and stuff you know what i'm saying like i just feel like people are yeah. way less in tune with it in oh, downtown. Yeah. I, I think spent- too like long beach and downtown like everyone's so the the like mentality of people's like they're so and titled to the road type yeah you know what i mean they're and they're kind of like they're they are like they're separate from reality i think a little bit more in those places yeah and the the roads seem shittier and tighter and like and the thing that really is frustrating is i see i'll see people who nearly like i've been glanced before oh no kidding yeah and the person's just like motioning at me like it's my fault when I'm literally like I said I flash at night I started flashing my lights yeah. instead of revving my engine I flash my lights because I feel like it's easier to notice yeah, yeah, yeah. high beams and and they get mad at me and I'm just like you know I spend thousands of miles on the road every month and I'm trying to be I don't want to die yeah. you know what I mean like I can be a squidlet sometimes but <laughs> And, uh, but I do ride within my means and like, that's why I started wearing high, high vis gear. Cause yeah. I was like, I have to take, the ego has to take it down. Yeah. I don't care about looking cool. I care. You don't what, mind that you look like Am I going to look cool in a coffin? I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not if you, they dress you in high vis, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you look like a British police officer. As long and as my bananas next to me, I'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> I just yeah. wear black everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what? I, I. Literally I, had all black on when I got hit, and I started wearing. That's why I wear my crappy helmet because it's white. And I'm like, at least they'll see white yeah. moving. They gotta see that because I still have a like, lot of it's sound. They can't ignore the sound, and I don't know. I'll see bikes with high vis, and I don't really seem to spot them any bef- any much before. About the only thing that I think really helps that I won't do is the headlight that flashes. Yeah, the modulator. Like the modulator, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I don't know. I know a lot of people that would do that stuff, yeah. and I'm not a fa- Like, as a driver, too, I don't really see high-vis stuff before I see anything different. Yeah. Well, I don't so. remember what it's called. I watched a video on it where they do it in Europe. There's It's a technique where you, like, 
Um, oh, you weave the smidzy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so I start, I do that too because I feel like the movement has, I've noticed that yeah. people seem to kind when of. You're, a lot of it too um, comes down to the bike you're on too. Yeah. If, if you ride a fucking Dyna that looks like all the HAs, people will move out of your way. Yeah. What actually they move for more is my CBX because it looks it's like a cop bike. Dude, I can't tell you how many <laughs> BMWs. So buy an old Z1000 <laughs> cop bike. Dude, or a BMW, or a BMW R1200 yeah. RT. Mm-hmm. Or a all white Harley with a white yep. halfy helmet with yep. a visor. That's, I'm actually that's like on my next <laughs> to buy list because I, I I mean just with commuting so much to LA, it's I'm trying to do whatever I can to stay alive because this yeah. is my main form of transportation. Yeah, you, I mean I don't you have any other options. you commute a lot on your bike. I mean, I mean, yeah, I got it four months ago and I'm already at uh, almost twenty one thousand miles. Yeah, I bought it with um, that's more than I put on my car in like. Oh, Two years. You, <laughs> of course, I work from Yeah, home, I would do the, the headlight modulator is probably the best. The problem with weaving as you lane split, and I've done it a lot, but I do it to like kind of um, like weave through the traffic not to be oh, noticed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem you're going to have with that is your suspension's bound up and you're, you're steering the bike. So if you're already steering one way, you're not going to be able to flip the bike back the yeah. other way. If, well, I've if gotten they come really from that good. Side. I do because I know some CHP do this where they they kind of flip their back end. I'll kind of do that to like motion to the car to like scoot over. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, I I like to um, like kind of clip their front end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a couple of techniques. I don't know if I can <laughs> yeah. share all of them <laughs> without allegedly. No, no. I, allegedly. Allegedly. When I commuted on my dyno all the time, I rode like a dick. Yeah. Not, I mean, not totally, but yeah, dude, I would, um, like if they're like hugging the line, I would run up and then I would like swerve over in front of them to like push them I, over. That, on the way over here, I literally did that. Someone yeah. cut over the double lines in front of me and I slowed down and I fucking just like went right up. I think my bags actually scraped their front end. Yeah. I was just like, you know, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like stop. But I mean, on the it's not like it's going to do anything. Was it on the 210 uh, or were you further in? I think it was the 134. So yeah, so a little bit closer to downtown. I'm telling you, like, once you get over here it, on it, this The vibe side, changed, yeah. When it's I got different. over here, it was a lot chiller. It's so different over here. As soon as you get, like, through Pasadena, it yeah. totally changes. Yeah. yeah, and everybody's just more or less, like, a lot of times I'll move over a little bit for you. Yeah. The Smidzy is for, it's, sorry, mate, I didn't see you. It started in England, and it's if you're for coming, because when you're on a motorcycle and you're coming towards somebody that's turning left, Mm-hmm. A lot of times they get in crashes and they say, "Oh, sorry, I didn't see you." Even though you're right at them, and it's because motorcycles look tiny when right. they're com- when you compare to like a car, how it looks. Well, that's why I started standing up on my pegs because I'm just trying to be as like yeah. visible and big. So that's why they do volume. the little jiggle when they're coming towards somebody because then they say they. S- like ninety nine percent of the people surveyed before said they didn't even know. Like I saw it, but I didn't. It didn't. Couldn't tell it's moving toward me because motorcycles don't gain in size until they're little, literally right yeah, by you. See, you yeah. seen like the wild one is a good. They're little dots coming mm-hmm. toward the camera, and that opening shot takes God like five minutes, right? And then all of a sudden, they they don't really get big until they're right there passing the camera. So that's the problem with motorcycles. They always look far away until you're hitting them. So yeah. the, the Smidzy is like, yeah, you just wiggle a little bit. So they like detect movement at all and makes them look at you. So it only works when you're coming towards someone. And then if they still turn left in front of you, they're just jerks. Yeah, well, and I also <laughs> think that there's some just days, dicks. like especially when the weather was really crappy, where I've 
very few motorcycles will be on the road at that point. Yeah. And so, like, but, yeah, I'm there. Like, I don't have any other yeah. choice. So it's just people kind of zone out and they, oh, it's raining. There's not going to be really many yeah. motorcycles. Yeah. And then I zoom by and I'm just like, okay, just, you still got to pay attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't give you carte blanche to just, oh, right. I'm be on my phone while I'm <laughs> in traffic in the rain. Yeah. And for sure, the people that I did see out, I saw some a dude on a Harley and some, cr- like it was coming down, down. And I was like, dude, you must be like a pretty hardcore dude or maybe that's your only thing and props, but... At the same time, all black, you know, and I was like, it, it's, it wasn't, it was middle of the daytime, so I could see him, but the new headlights, I gotta say, the new like LED ones, like really benefit, like you could see yeah. coming forever. The only problem is then you just can't, t- like again, you can't tell how far they, way they are until they're right next to you, but at least like I can see those. And I saw him through the rain, and, you know, it was middle of the day, but God, it looked like, a scene out of a movie it was coming down so hard and i i just saw his headlight and i was like boom for over 125 and a half years no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than clobman pickles you want to win your race put a clobman pickle in your face clobman's guaranteed Clubman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clubman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. Man. All of us need to quit smoking that weed, baby. <laughs> because uh, yeah, I totally forgot what we were talking about. But I do do want to say that I the motorcyclist coming toward me, I could see. We had the the card fill up on well, the elder corner. Like um my girlfriend and I were talking because we always are trying to brainstorm like how to prevent accidents, especially I'm very aware of it having three myself. And we often talk about just awareness with drivers like having a course where they really emphasize what to do when a motorcycle, especially in California now that it's legal, like what what should you do if you see a motorcyclist or how should you look in your mirrors? Yeah. Like every day I hardly see people using their mirrors. Just simply using their mirrors would avoid so many close calls yeah. that I constantly have. I have my mirror set to see in my blind spots where most people have their mirrors looking at the quarter panel of their car i actually have them to where i don't even see my car i see only my blind spots but then when a motorcycle is coming down the long line of cars it's not looking down down that row like on the freeway so i actually once in a while will duck my head and check but when i'm on a bike um i do you know we can talk as much as we want about uh being better motorcyclists and all that stuff and the people that are liable and, and the litigation and the lawyers and all that stuff, those are the ones that are actually somehow trying to make this all a big uh, cover your ass or, what, you know, with, with, all, with all the safety stuff. I mean, what happens when it still doesn't work or what happens when people should just pay attention? And I think that's why that's why I say just keep it simple. Yeah. My, my thing is I wish the, I'm not going to risk my safety based on what other people should do yeah well, yeah of course I mean, that's, well that's and, the number one thing about you get on a motorcycle you assume that you're invisible and the yeah so the first thing is you always ride like you're invisible yeah. and the second thing is like it doesn't matter whose fault it is yeah you're the one going to the grave yeah like uh, yeah it, yep. it doesn't like i worked true. with a dude uh, when i first moved out here because i keep winding up at motorcycle companies although that one was on purpose and 
he would wreck his bike and then it was someone else's fault. So insurance would fix it. And then he'd wreck it like a month after it got fixed. And every time he's like, dude, but it wasn't even my fault. And I was like, but it was because you were in a bad situation, but in your head, like, yes, it was legally, it was the other person's fault, but you shouldn't have been there. Like as a motorcyclist, you should know, like, this isn't the best place to be at this speed. Like I need to be cautious. Like one of them was like, um, you know, when you pull up to a stoplight and there's like 10 cars in one lane and one in the other, there's a real good chance someone's going to go out of the lane with 10 to get in the short line. Right. Well, that's almost what happened in my second accident is I went to turn right and there was, it was, it was open. So I went into that side area and then there was a gap and I noticed the gap but it was too late and a box truck was turning and then that's how I got T-boned. Yeah, yeah. And I learned. So now I'm just like, when I, I'm approaching, I slow down because, yeah. I, you know, I yeah. learned the hard way. Yeah. My thing too was And you just like, you have to be ready for those things. Yeah. You have to be prepared. You have to slow down. You have to be cautious. Because even though like, if you're lucky enough to not die or break a leg or whatever, then yeah, insurance is, their insurance should fix your bike because it was their fault. But, what if you're not lucky enough to yeah. not die? Mm-hmm. I have a friend too that uh, mysteriously, like within one year, has crashed or had you know totaled like two of his bikes that were like you know FXRs and stuff that they don't make anymore. And like, yeah, you know, you you first one shame on them, everything else shame on you, right? And the same with when I'm lane sharing or lane splitting, coming up on lines like that that have five or six cars in one and only one in the other and and I'm going man if I was a car I'd want to be I'd want to even the line out or whatever so I always I could lane split like you said I could lane split so fast and I have done it before where I'm hauling ass and then I realize I'm doing it and I slow down because I don't like to do it I like to assume that everyone's going to do the worst possible move on me when they're going to yeah. do it. And once in a while they have, people yeah. have, yep. people have cut, but I was anticipating it. And like you said, Wiggs, I just don't like to be there. Like when the shit goes sideways, I just make sure I'm not there or, anymore when it happens. Or I learned I'm my just lesson. at, I'm at a speed. I, you know, I'm, I'm covering the brakes. I'm ready for that. Yep. I'm in a yep. position where if I need to stop, I can. And I'm at a speed where I feel like the bike's going to stop quickly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm one of those guys on a Harley where I have big brakes and Brembo brakes and it stops better than most. And I, one of my rules with a motorcycle is, um, I don't buy cheap tires. Yeah. Like I always yeah. love that. Oh, but those tires are expensive. The difference between that and a car is that's the only thing keeping you upright. Like that is the most important thing keeping you upright. Yeah. And you know, you notice it if you buy cheap tires for a car and good tires for a car, like your stopping distance. But on a bike, if you lock up those tires, you're going to crash. And if you don't stop, you're going to hit that car that pulled out in front of you. <laughs> yeah. And you're the one going to a hospital. Like, yeah. Well, dude. when I bought the banana, it came with really nice Pirellis. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love these, but they're not commuting tires. And so my girlfriend was like, you need to get all weather Michelins, yeah, road, yeah. the road fives. I put the road fives on there. I rode up to Monterey in the rain and all the crappy weather. And I could tell 1000% the difference. It, yeah was amazing because it handled so much better and made it so much safer. Yeah. I mean, a lot of high end, so that has 17s, a lot of high end 17s don't work that well when they're cold. Yeah. 
So you actually have to be careful with that too. Yeah, so you can I know. actually go in Long Beach. It gets really like this morning. It was foggy for about ten miles, and yeah. so that's what I was worried about. Because I was like, okay, it's going to be slick. The tires are mm-hmm. cold, so I had to slow down and be really careful with my turns and like watching the paint on the road and everything. Yeah, so. a lot of street tires. It's not a big deal, but the DOT race tires, it is. Yeah. yeah. But and lines are usually slick when so they're you, wet. So yeah, I mean, and a lot of people, you know, sport bikes when they get them and they want to do a track day or carve the canyons and they're not thinking about, uh, you know, commuting and yeah. daily driving it, even mm-hmm. though they might be doing that on it, they're thinking of like the 5% that they're in the canyon, right? Yeah. So yeah, maybe well, that's it's- I know. I, I, that's why I had to just sacrifice the Pirellis and I just, I'm a commuter. So that's what yeah. the bike is right yeah. now. So I have it set up for me to commute as safely as possible. Yeah. Well, we're getting kind of close to the end of the show. We already had the recorder shut off because we filled up the card once. Let's not do that again. <laughs> um, if you have any crash stories, um, any you know, if this has inspired you to ride safer, if you have any safety stories, any gear stories, or any uh, component stories or tire stories, uh, send them in slam at creative-writing.com or just send them to Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. You can always record a little voice memo on your phone and email it to us or Give us a phone call at 740-563-2858. Leave a message on our Google Voice. And I think we're going to play three questions. Now that we actually have three people in the studio, mm-hmm. let's do this. And let's let's keep it short. I'm going to let you guys pick. Uh, pull a card. And then... Uh, I got two uh, cards. Okay. I'll take... All right, that was awkward reaching around these mics. Uh, I'm going to ask the first one. Let's go. Let's go in counterclockwise. So, <laughs> Wiggins, what's the nicest thing you've ever done for someone? Oh man, <laughs> um, I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. I've done a few nice things for people. I'm when. I know, I can't, none of them come to mind. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm... 13 I'm, hours later. Good, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you answer that. Like, that's... I know, it's like, I would be uh, suspicious of the person who could just answer that right off the top. Yeah, like, are right? you a narcissist or what? Yeah. Listen, I saved, yeah, I saved a cat of a tree just, <laughs> just before you guys got here. Yeah, I haven't had any cats stuck in a tree lately, so All right. I don't well, know. When you ask a, when you ask somebody that's not very nice, that's the answer you're going to get. So, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I do. I, I feel like I do pretty nice things most of the time. Yeah, uh, you're a pretty nice guy, so I would say yeah. that uh, you probably do. And the fact that you're so nice, that you can't think of one. I know. Really touches touches junkie right here in the old <laughs> huh. whatever, whatever they put here that used to be a heart. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh well, let's put you out of your misery. Go ahead and ask Jay. All right. <laughs> What made your brain grow today? Oh, geez. did you get new question ones? Because these ones aren't as good as the old ones. <laughs> the same, same. Deck. You have to siphon through the uh, bad questions. Same deck. I think the two Red Bulls <laughs> that I drank. Uh, I don't know if it grew or it was pulsating, but it definitely kept me awake. Literally grew because of <laughs> yeah. all the toxins in those. Yeah, something's uh, growing. Isn't it true? Didn't they do studies that Mountain Dew actually like messes with your brain? Uh, Mountain Dew, something in Mountain Dew uh, doesn't, it like counteracts 
brains. I, yeah, I just try not to drink any of those. Brains. Yeah, I, I I, I'm addicted to caffeine, so I always just, it's either coffee or Red Bull. Those are my two daily I've heard kidney drinks. stones are horrible, oh, yeah. so I try to avoid them. Yeah, I don't have kidneys or else I would tell you how they are. <laughs> um, so yeah, it literally, we're not talking like you got smarter today or learned Well, anything. I wish I would grow because I'm... Short, fucking short as fuck. I would like to grow. <laughs> like just your brain grows. Yeah. <laughs> just your my legs fuck. aren't growing. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your question for me? What dumb question did uh, we pull out this see week? Here. What would you like to get better at? Basically everything. <laughs> <laughs> what wouldn't I like to get better at? Uh, for a while, it was knife throwing because that's how I was choosing the Solstice Slam winners. I was pointing over at my dartboard because uh, yeah, yeah. you can throw knives into a dartboard. I just did it into uh, the next door neighbor. He, did, he didn't like that very much, but uh, he ain't around to uh, talk shit about it anymore. Um, what would I like to get better at? I think I'd like to get, I'd like to get better at writing consistently. And that might sound funny, but I think the creative-writing.com would be a much better place if I consistently wrote there about all the fun stuff that we do on the show and all the uh, funny stuff that we're into. Um, Maybe I should make that my goal for 2019, although I said that back in 2016. It didn't (laughs) really pan out so good. It's roughly around the same. I'm going to say writing, writing, not writing. I already write enough. Um, Yeah, I'm going to get better at writing this year. You get better at growing your brain and wigs. You get better at being nice, and I think we'll be one hell of a show by the uh, by the end of 2019. Um, well, dudes, we're at the end here. Um, there's a couple things coming up that I wanted to talk about. Uh, March uh, thirtieth is going to be the mini massive out at, uh, or actually, I think they're calling it the Moto Massive out at uh, the Industry Hills Expo Center. If you have a small displacement bike, go out and check it out. You can do drag racing. You can do uh, time attacks. You can do all sorts of cool stuff. And uh, I think they said, if you listen to the Joe's Mini Bike Reunion podcast, they're taking anything that's three ninety nine dollars and under. So I might even be able to enter Spamalin into some of that stuff. Um, Wigs, do you got anything coming up? I do. Uh, March 30th. I have the rain date for the Veggie Plate Classic. Sweet Paris Flat Track. So if you're on a larger than a mini bike, yes, go check that out. There will be if you want some good racing anyway. There will be Speedway and Hooligans, and then April thirteenth, which is my wife's birthday, so I won't be making that one either. Tentative, <laughs> I think it's the thirteenth. Uh, we might be having a race at Bakersfield Raceway, oh, which dang. is a little bit bigger banked clay track. And then um, May 17th, we're going to do the night before the mile at Lodi Cycle Bowl. So if anyone's up around Sacramento area, um, there's going to be a lot of pros there too. The Lodi uh, Cycle Bowl's night before the mile is a big event every year. Um, A lot of pros show up because it's the night before the AFT mile at Sacramento. So a lot of the guys will show up on their 450s, the Twins Riders and Singles Riders and um fans choice i believe will be there so we're going to soca hooligans is going to put on the hooligan class yeah march first and second which is tomorrow right uh there's going to be no it's friday and saturday so it's so it's today and tomorrow yeah there's going to be a flat track at shelbyville tennessee motorcycle flat track vintage motorcycle lynchburg speedway and hooligan out there at the uh calsonic arena they're having Billy Hamill come out, man. That's huge. Yeah. 
I don't know who other Speedway guys are going to be there that's fast, but... I was like, Billy Hamill, didn't he die? I'm thinking of Danny Hamill. <laughs> no, Billy Hamill is a 97 Speedway world champion. Dang. He should not be able to race the Hooligan Speedway. <laughs> no, it's not Hooligan Speedway. <laughs> I know, separate. I know. Uh, Lucky Wheels Coffee. Listen to this, man. Every second Sunday at 9 a.m., uh, Lucky Wheels is going to be starting off with a motorcycles and coffee from now on. So every second Sunday, if you're over there by Lucky Wheels, go check it out. Um, it's starting March 10th at 9 a.m. It's going to be the first one. And after that, every second Hey, Brady's Sunday. doing a uh, meeting at Lucky Wheels and then going to Santa Anita. Something about the Pinewood Derby thing. March 16th, Lucky Wheels is going to be having a uh, Pinewood Derby. He's I contacted Brady. He's selling kits for the Pinewood Derby through him only. So you're going to have to go to Lucky Wheels to get it. And they're going to have like a little build, you know, how to build them and, you and all the rules. Get one from the Boy Scouts. Same. You know what? My son's in the Boy Scouts and he had to get the kit through our lo- through whatever. Uh, region, his bo- I don't know what they call it, the area that yeah, the Boy yeah, Scouts yeah. are in. It's like everybody has their own thing to make sure it's consistent, I guess. Because you can, they were saying if you buy them from the Boy Scout store that's up here, their kits are different than the ones we got through the pack. And so they want to keep it consistent. And I bet you that's what Brady wants maybe to do. Maybe the Boy Scouts should get their shit together. Uh, well, maybe. I was just going to Amazon kit, man. That's the, that's probably what he doesn't want you to do. He probably wants you to buy them from him so that they're all the same. So that's nobody what the can, rules are for. So nobody can say, well, I got mine at the Boy Scout store. It it's a be, block of wood with fucking slots in it. But it's not once you get into it. I learned that in the Boy no, Scouts. it's not because you make it not. Yeah. I learned that in the Boy Scouts thing. Yeah. You literally, the kids are all a block of wood with a slot in it. Like, everything else is what you do. Well, the wheels that come with them are different. You can buy whatever wheels you want. Then say you have to buy such and such wheel. Well, we'll see what we'll see what Brady trying Walker to make shit complicated. Because the Boy Scouts, that was their thing. They said you can't buy whatever you want. You have to use what's in these kits. So I'm thinking that's what Brady's going to be. I think that's his. Uh, to keep it fair, I think that's probably what his. Uh, We're adults and have YouTube. It is not going to be fair. <laughs> that, well, that's true. Uh, but anyway, March 16th is going to be the Pinewood Derby um, Symposium at Lucky Wheels. And I think the Californian's going to be May, beginning of May. So yeah, we'll, it's like uh, May 4th. Yeah. I'm going to be in Tennessee. So Sweet. And You're not going to have me to contend against for Pinewood Derby. And AFT, good, with all the wheels that you would have bought at the Smizer store, and then they'd be I'm like, they're no good. Amazon car. <laughs> they're no the good. Um, and one last thing I did want to say, thank you to the NoCo Moto Bros for reminding me of this. But, dudes, by the time this comes out, um, Motorcycles Misfits will be celebrating their 300th episode come coming Monday. Uh, Monday morning when you're listening to it, it will be number 300. So I wanted to wish them... From the bottom of uh, my heart, which I really, I don't have a heart. I forget what they stuck in here. Some sort of like watch thing that has tubes coming out of it. But from the bottom of my watch thing with tubes in it, uh, happy 300th. I remember when The Simpsons hit 300 episodes and it was like 10 years in. Because hey. That's all downhill from there. And it's all downhill from there. <laughs> I know they haven't been around for three, for 10 years, but they've been around for quite a while. It's been a while. Yeah, I think it's like six, five yeah, or six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's roughly six years. Yeah, so that's... Because uh, if they do 52 episodes a year... Yeah, times 300, divided by the uh, dimension of a pie. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, about six years. And uh, so happy 300th from 
at least me. I don't know. Are you guys uh, happy? Yeah, sure. Sure. Great. Yeah. Day, so. <laughs> sure. <laughs> happy yeah. 300 Smith's Fits. Happy 300 And uh, yeah, with that, I think we're going to get out of here, you shit bags. <laughs> um, keep the shiny side up and the expensive side down. Uh, you guys got any really super significant sign-offs that you can... <laughs> 